Hello and welcome to Conference Catch-Up, brought to you by Rural Health Pro. This week we're coming to you live from Rural Health Month in Coogee, where over 700 rural health professionals are attending over 20 events. But before we start, we acknowledge the traditional custodians on the lands on which we work and live. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Conference Catch-Up is produced by Rural Health Pro. For more information, visit ruralhealthpro.org. That's ruralhealthpro.org. And in the meantime, please like, follow and share. The information provided in this podcast is of a general educational nature only. The views expressed are those of the presenters and not necessarily Rural Health Pro. Donna Murray, CEO of the Indigenous Allied Health Australia, welcome. You gave a speech this morning. You were one of the keynotes this morning. Before we get into what you spoke about, can you tell us a bit about uh, IHA as it's known? Sure. So Indigenous Allied Health Australia, or IHA as we call it, uh, is an Aboriginal community-controlled member-based organisation that is a national peak body in sort of allied health workforce across the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health sector. We were established in 2009 by a group of Aboriginal allied health clinicians and our non-Indigenous allies and were funded in 2010. So we're relatively quite young Um, and over uh, the years we've grown into uh, an organisation with uh, 1,600 members around Australia across 30 allied health disciplines who um, have been identified by our members themselves as wanting to be part of a bigger collective to elevate their voice in allied health, particularly around their profession, but also the, the contributions of allied health to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health and wellbeing. Um, and we're governed by allied health clinicians on our board, so we're 100% governed by Aboriginal people and that are elected to the board from our membership. Uh, we have uh, over 34 staff around Australia with our head office based in Canberra on Ngunnawal and Nambri land. And so this morning your talk was the determinants of health and culturally responsive care. One of the key themes that I got out of this was that Aboriginal health has a broader meaning than just physical health. Yes. Uh, and so your message today to Allied Health was for people to check that they understand that means mm-hmm. and how they're implementing. Is that, mm-hmm. is that correct? Have I? Well, yeah, I think the in essence what I was trying to pitch today was um, in 1989, I think it was, the National Aboriginal Health uh, Strategy identified, well, what is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health? And as you're saying, it's much broader than physical. It's physical, social, emotional, mental, cultural, spiritual uh, well-being as a whole person. So if you look at that in a biomedical um, model of care, they look at one of those things or they're siloed. So they silo out your physical health to your mental health to spiritual or cultural um, well-being. Um, and for us, it needs to be looked at um, holistically in, in a way that is about the person, the individual uh, at the centre, but also family and community. So we we don't have sort of an I, we have a we um, in our health, if that makes sense. And you were talking about the, you know, People know about the social determinants of health, but mm. but there's other aspects that I, I guess mm. a lot of clinicians and, and, and people in the health sector don't understand mm. the impact on, and you talked about the cultural determinants of health mm-hmm. um, and, and the political determinants of health, mm. and these actually 
have have a, a big impact Huge. on on communities and Aboriginal communities. That's right. So a lot of our clinicians in allied health or workforce understand social determinants, uh, and particularly in a rural context. Uh, but what they don't often know about is this emerging evidence base around the cultural determinants of health for Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people. And now uh, there's been a um, research and study and an evidence base internationally as well as nationally that when we look at the cultural determinants or the domains of our cultural determinants, like our language, cultural practice, connection to country, connection to kingship, family, um, our um, self-determination and decision-making, our um, song, dance, you know, that continuation of our of who we are and what we are as individual uh, cultures or nation groups, those things have been found they're enablers to good health and wellness. They, they're the things that give us love, that give us hope, that give us our connectedness to who we are and feel empowered to be Yiradjuri, Wanarua, whatever that uh, Aboriginal identity is for the individual. And that for us is is where our wellness sits because it actually goes across all of those um, broader physical, social, emotional, mental, cultural and spiritual health that have been embedded in our ways of knowing, being and doing for over 65,000 years. And so if we look at social determinants are challenges and often impact on health. They can be turned into a strength. Yeah, when you have access to education and employment, you'll earn a better income, you'll be able to access uh, services possibly if you're able to pay for them. Whereas cultural determinants, that spiritual wellness, that really internal being of who we are, uh, provides us with a much um, better view of ourselves, of our culture, our identity and empowerment to stay well. And, and you also talked about that could be different for different geographies mm. and, and countries. Absolutely. Because what, what may be necessary for you mm. as part of that wellness and that connection will be different to someone else. Absolutely. Well, if you look at the diversity of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations and languages across Australia, there's over 250. The Torres Strait is very significantly different. Um then there needs to be diversity because there is cultural diversity. And so when you talk about political determinants alongside the cultural determinants and the two ways that we can look at political determinants, one is from a, a, an, in, an Aboriginal perspective, like a Wanarua, Wiradjuri perspective, is our political determinants is focused on us as being generational, long-term strategic thinkers. It's about us having say and decisions uh, over matters that mean that are meaningful to us. It's about setting our own priorities. It's about um, what is good for our nation and our citizens, our citizens that meaning Yiradjuri citizens of our nation. So the concept of self-government is really critical to our wellness as it comes back to the cultural determinants. Then you've got your political determinants on the mainstream side which are influencing our health and well-being negatively like settler colonial parliamentary government legislation regulation it's not meant for us it's meant for the majority of our population here in Australia based on white settler colonial institutions and laws that were brought here you know 240 odd years ago 
It's based on short-term funding cycles. It's not strategic thinking. It's quick-fix thinking. What, what are we going to see in three years as an outcome rather than what are we going to have an impact on for three to five years that will make significant change in 50 years? Yes, yeah, so you talked about generational. That's you, correct. You, you think in not just one generation but what this is going to mean in six generations. Correct. Times. Absolutely. And that's, but that's how we've survived because our, our generations have been about survival. And so, as I say, we don't have an I, we have a we. It's collective. And everybody plays a role, a responsibility, has an obligation um, to our survival because the way we view our world is that it's, it's a selenical process. You know, it, it is, uh, we we're born, uh, we live, we protect, we have custodianship over every living thing um, and Mother Earth on our on our country. That's why we're custodians. And when we die, we're we're coming back into that process to nourish something else's survival. And so, when you think about how you live with, not live on or at, so it's not about ownership. It's not about. Uh, using everything to its most for an economic benefit to the point where we then have to go into, well, how do we sustain power? How do we sustain clean water? How do we sustain our climate? If you actually think about it differently, those things were already embedded in your ways of knowing, being and doing as it's been for 65,000 years. So the political determinants from a mainstream perspective have huge impacts because that's about policy. So that's about child removal policies of the past, assimilation policies, our justice, our issues with um, child protection, our justice systems, um, because they're, they, they're, they're embedded on us. They're not developed with us, which would be in our own nation-building context. So there's some some really big impacts on our health and well-being that from 240 years ago we're still being impacted by as that generational trauma, transgenerational trauma um, of being taken off country, having our language taken away, have um, not able to do our cultural practices, we're not able to even have connection to country. So removal of kingship systems and relationships that – what they're trying to achieve is to break all of those cultural determinants that make us well and strong and embed a dominant cultural perspective about what you need to live like everybody else that is now here in Australia. And you gave a great example during COVID mm. of a town that, mm. you know, they had lost access because of supply chains of food mm. and so the uh, they went back to traditional ways. Mm -hmm. But that was frowned upon mm -hmm. by the by, by the, the health, by the white settler colonial by system. system. Yeah. Um, and then they were told, so they went out to hunt uh, to get kangaroo, uh, emu, food for old people who were obviously we were all restricted to our um, houses. They were starving. They weren't getting. Um, they were getting some baskets full of food, but it wasn't fresh meat or it wasn't fresh vegetable. And so um, went back to what are we good at? We're back to looking after each other undertake our cultural practice, yet it wasn't acceptable as appropriate by a mainstream system. But yet it was fulfilling Correct. the health needs and the cultural needs. Correct. The other the other message I, I got out of it, um, and as someone who's 
not worked in the health system for, for that long mm-hmm. uh, and as a, a non-Indigenous person was that you're talking about we're all on a journey here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up to us to make sure that we're looking for the right information to help mm. us on that journey. Mm. Um, so for allied health clinicians, I guess, or people in the workforce, it's about understanding um, what are the social determinants, but what do you overlay with cultural determinants? So how can you be a better clinician by building cultural capability to be culturally safe and responsive? And where you can, you're adding in this overlay of cultural determinants, you're empowering your communities in which you're working to make their own decisions, to be part of the solution, to be seen as um, the people that should be speaking for themselves and for their own communities. Um, And it's also understanding historical determinants to understand how do I best engage, who do I engage with um, in my community to enable um, our relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Um, so in a historical context, if those communities have been ripped apart, they're not a traditional Aboriginal community, they've got uh, lots of different nation groups living together, um, and there's a lot of those towns around New South Wales, um, understanding who are traditional custodians, who speaks for who, what does that community makeup look like? Therefore, who's the governance or decision makers in that community? And how do I engage in nation business separate to service delivery, which is more pan-Aboriginal? Nation business, traditional custodians, service delivery, pan-Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health or wellbeing or education employment, any of those services. And I think you, you left you left us all with a couple of questions, very important questions for us to ask ourselves, uh, and, and it's in relation to that going on that journey. With all this information, this understanding of, of the social determinants, the cultural determinants, and the political determinants and, and the impact that has on health. Mm. So we ask ourselves, what does, what does that mean for me? Mm. And what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Yes. So every individual should be taking that responsibility on. It's not our responsibility as Aboriginal people um, to teach you or tell you or inform you. It's it's about we're 3% or 3.8% maybe of the population now in the new data. It's up to the 97% to want to engage in these conversations and say, right, well, what I thought I knew, I don't really know. So what am I going to do about it? How am I going to build my capability or capacity in cultural safety and responsiveness? How am I going to engage better with local Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? What do I need to know about myself? Because it's more about knowing about yourself. What well, what are your values? What are your um, your kingship roots? Are you a dominant culture in this country? Do you have privilege? What impacts do you have on others with that thinking? Um, what training do I need to undertake? How do I talk to people about um, making a difference? And what does true or genuine allyship look like with with with? not for, with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And so um, in that case, you don't always – you need to know those determinants and what that means in a place-based way, but you also need to know yourself better. 
So deep reflective practice. What does it mean as a clinician? What does it mean as a person? And what am I prepared to change that is not just on a nine-to-five basis but as a person in this Australian society to address racism, to address the discrimination of the system um, and to enable Aboriginal people to be the best that they can be? I think that's a, a wonderful way to end this because it's just the start of many conversations. Mm. But thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks. Conference Catch-Up is brought to you by Rural Health Pro. If you care about rural Australia and keeping them healthy, then Rural Health Pro is your community. The Rural Health Pro platform and app connects health professionals with colleagues, organisations, training, scholarships and career opportunities to help them thrive. It's free and it's easy to join. Just visit ruralhealthpro.org. That's ruralhealthpro.org today.